0: Well, this morning I'd like you to turn in your Bibles uh to the book of 2nd Peter. The book of 2nd Peter. I think I got all my announcements done. Well, in the book of 2nd Peter, I want us to take a look at 2nd uh, Peter chapter 1, 2nd Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> and in verse 19, God says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture uh, is of pr- any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, Uh, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for a time and opportunity to just receive something from your word. And Lord, as we think about it uh, during this time and this season, about uh, what you have done for us and what you have um, given to us and the great gifts that we've received from you. I pray, Lord, that as we look at this prophecy this morning and we see that was fulfilled in you, that, Lord, we would just be encouraged, we'd be edified, we'd receive these things, and, Lord, we would just use them in such a way that it moves us and motivates us to serve you, to please you, to draw nearer to you, to just have a closer relationship, and Lord, just to simply do your will. Lord, I just pray you'd be with me this morning and just speak through me. Pray that all of these things that we look at this morning would just be glorifying to you in your name and your word. And this I ask in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here Peter's talking about this sure word of prophecy, and if you're one of those individuals that is a prophecy nut, if you will, somebody that just really, truly enjoys searching out prophecy in Scripture, this message is probably a little bit tuned to you. Uh, we're going to take a look in a brief, uh, uh, just briefly here, just to kind of see, obviously, that Peter is talking about things being fulfilled that God has already promised. Things that were written many, many, many years ago that have been fulfilled already. We know that there's a great amount of prophecy that still has yet to be fulfilled. We still know that there's a great amount that is there that, that, that that is to come. There's a lot of stuff covered in the old Testament. There's a lot of stuff that's in the book of revelation. This stuff that has not happened yet. And while we wait for those things, There are things that have already taken place, things that have already come to fruition, things that have already been fulfilled. And at this time of year, we get to think and reflect on that. We get to realize that as God promised, Christ came to this earth for a purpose, for a reason. And if you will, this morning, I want us to go over to, uh, to take a look, if you will, at that sure word of prophecy, at those things that God talked about over in the book of Isaiah. And specifically, Isaiah chapter 53. Now, if there is a chapter in the Bible that has a great amount of importance, Isaiah 53 is in the top 10. Isaiah 53 really makes it known who Jesus Christ is and talks about this messianic prophecy that was to come that has been fulfilled in him. Now, just to kind of put this out there, this is such of great importance for us as believers today, for Christians today, that Jews actually reject this entire chapter. They don't want to read it. So you know how we have calendar readings of, uh, 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 where you go through and you read certain things in scripture, uh, um and you're trying to get through maybe the Bible in a year or something of that nature. Well, the Jews have uh, their calendar readings that they read, <coughs> sometimes out loud in synagogues, things of that nature, this chapter will not be read. They will ignore this chapter. And the reason being is because there's just too much, quote unquote, coincidence for them. They say the Christians have ruined this chapter for us, so we will never read it. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. Because when you read the very first words of this chapter in Isaiah 53, God has already prophesied about that. Because in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse one, it says, "Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report?" These things that were put put down here in these twelve verses in this chapter, the question is, is who's believing this? Who is, who, who are those that are receiving this? And here we are as believers today, realizing that this has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. It says in verse one, who has believed our report and who, and uh, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not our mouth, his mouth. He, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living; for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he was made excuse me. He made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done um, uh, no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him; he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering, thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see over uh, of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Right here in this chapter, we see the life of Jesus Christ from start to finish. And at this time of year, we start thinking about this Christmas season, if you will, thinking about the birth of Christ, and regardless of whether people argue whether he was born in fall, winter, spring, whatever it may be, the fact is, is that this is when we think about this. Now, we should think about it all year long, but here we get an opportunity to think about what exactly the Lord has done. The fact that he would remove himself from glory, humble himself and be made in the fashion of this flesh, come here, go through all the things that we go through, tempted as we are yet without sin, as the book of Hebrews says, and then to die on that cross for our sins, for us, so that we would have an eternal life with him. He did all of that for us. The purpose behind him coming, the purpose behind what they refer to as the first advent Now we know that there's obviously a second one coming and there's a lot here that deals with that, that deals with what he's going to do. And there's a lot that that addresses it throughout the book of Isaiah, that millennial reign of Jesus Christ. What, What, what man has been looking for, but man cannot attain until the Prince of peace comes. But here we find very clearly this passage is loaded with prophecy. We we see the first part here uh, where we go through verse 1 and 2, and we see all of these things where it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. He was from a very, very humble background. Go, go over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. Keep your place there in the book of uh, um, Isaiah. We'll be coming back to it. But in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, we have the account of uh, Christ's birth. <coughs> and in Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> and in verse, uh, take a look at here at verse 39, <coughs> and it says, and when he, they had uh, performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Well, what do we find here? We find exactly what Paul, what, what, excuse me, not Paul, but what Isaiah was talking about when he's going to grow up before him as a tender plant. He he came from a humble background, At one point in time, there was the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth in response to who Jesus Christ was? The Pharisees never even asked Jesus Christ where he was born and assumed he was from Galilee, assumed he was from Nazareth, and and never realized that he was born in Bethlehem. He was from a very humble background. We know the account in the story of, of, of what is, is written here of what took place of being born, if you will, in that barn in a stable in, in, in using his first bed as a manger, being wrapped in swaddling clothes. All of these things, things that, that, that really do not show the pomp and circumstance, if you will, of royalty. But Isaiah already said that's what was going to happen. You know, the Jews they're looking for the pomp. The Jews are looking for a king they they're looking for the second coming of Christ, but they miss the first one. They missed the first one. Here he is grew up in a city that had a poor reputation, grew up in an area. That wasn't popular. But there he is. Fulfilling prophecy. In verses 3, in verse 3, it says he is despised and rejected of men. Back over there in the book of Isaiah. uh, Despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We see here that Isaiah is clearly predicting that that this servant of the Lord, as he's called in this passage, uh, Uh, would be essentially go through some suffering, go through some, some difficulty being rejected. This was written like 700 years earlier when Jesus Christ came. Isaiah was written far, far, far long time ago. But Jesus Christ fulfills this. Simply, if you will, as it says here, being rejected of men. We know what took place. Go over to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 15, we have the account of his crucifixion. And in Mark chapter 15, <clears throat> What do we see that happens here in verse 16? And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium and they called together the whole band and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, hail king of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from or uh, took off the purple from him and put on his own clothes and led him out to crucify him. Turn over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter twenty-seven, Matthew chapter twenty-seven. This prophecy that uh, that Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah fifty-three, verse three, and, and Matthew chapter. 27, and as you jump down there to <clears throat> verse 39, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou hast destroyed the, the, excuse me, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the, the scribes and elders said, He saved others... Himself, he cannot save. If you be the king of Israel, let him come down uh, uh, from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have, uh, if he will have him, for he saith, "I am the Son of God." Very clearly, we see that this is being fulfilled. This being despised, being rejected i mean they, they 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 marred his visage in such a way that they, they, they at one point in time they ripped his beard out he was brutalized, but he came for that purpose he fulfilled this prophecy. In verse 4, back over there in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, we see it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted." Throughout this passage, we find that he, he continually makes mention of, uh, 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 if, if you will, uh, making his soul an offering for sin, uh, bearing the iniquities, uh, bearing the sin of many and the transgressions, uh, making intercession for him. All of these things we see Jesus Christ fulfilled. He fulfilled these. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We see all of these things that he that he did that uh, very clearly verse 4 of Isaiah says he fulfills. And in verse uh, 16 of Matthew chapter 8, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, it took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And you see over there in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, that we disesteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All of these things he's done to show that he is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 53. (coughs) Healing individuals, casting out devils, doing things that, that the Pharisees couldn't do, by the way. Keep in mind that the Pharisees couldn't go around healing people. The best they had was medicine. Jesus Christ shows up on the scene, comes along and begins to heal people exactly as it was written. Exactly as it was written. But again, they chose not to believe. They chose not to believe. And in verse 6, going back over to the Isaiah chapter 53, it says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not just the nation of Israel, but as Jesus, uh, as Jesus Christ was described by John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Not, not, not just Israel, not just a few chosen people, but the sin of the world. Could you imagine having all of that being placed on you? We don't like it when we get blamed for something that we didn't do. We don't like that. But here, all of the things that we have done are laid on him all the evil we've done all of the lying all the stealing all the adultery all the uh, all of it the killing all of those things that was all laid on him somebody that is you know again did you begin to talk to when you're witnessing and they they start talking about all of the the bad things in the world and you go yeah there's a lot of bad things in the world yeah there's a lot of bad things in the world now could you imagine all of that being on Jesus Christ all of it and as it says here he laid on uh, laid on him the iniquity of us all and we see very clearly he makes it you know very well known that that it, everyone's turned to his own way their own will they're doing that which is right in their own eyes, all of those things, and again, we find that this is what he did. If you go over to first Peter chapter one, turn over again to first Peter chapter one, um or excuse me, we were in second Peter, but in first Peter chapter one. <clears throat> pardon me, First uh, Peter chapter 2. And in verse uh, um, verse 22, talking about Jesus Christ, it says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Not only was it a physical healing, but it was a spiritual one. Because our sins had caused a lot of death. And God had healed us from that. God's healed us from that. And praise the Lord for it. It's been fulfilled in, in as we see here in Scripture. Turn over again to Matthew chapter 26, and Matthew chapter 26, and in relationship to verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 53. Where Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You realize that when he was in front of Herod and when he was in front of Pilate, he didn't say much at all. He didn't say much at all. He appears before Herod. Herod thinks he's going to do a magic trick for him. Pilate tries to engage him in philosophical debate. What is truth? But here we find in Matthew chapter 26 <clears throat> and in verse uh, uh, 62 here he is the high priest is accusing and it says and the high priest arose and said unto him answerest thou nothing what is it which thee, these witnesses uh, excuse me what is yet which these witness against thee. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. There he is at certain points, and yes, he does respond to this. But very clearly, he kept his mouth shut. Somebody accuses you of something you didn't do, you pipe up. You go, no, 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 I didn't do that. You get pulled over inside of the road. Instead of the officer coming to your door, he's using a bullhorn saying, giving you instructions how to exit the vehicle safely with your hands in the air. To walk backwards towards his voice. You're arrested. You're putting cuffs. You're put in the back of the car. You're like, what? What, what am I being arrested for? For robbing the bank? No, I it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Somebody said you did it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Jesus Christ didn't say a thing. He didn't say a thing. Take a look at chapter twenty-seven. Uh, chapter twenty seven and verses eleven through uh, 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 through fourteen here he says, and Jesus stood before the Governor, and the Governor asked him, saying, 'Art thou the king of the Jews And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest, and he was accused of the chief priests and elders. He answered nothing then Pilate uh, then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou uh, not how many things they witness against thee And he answered him to never a word." Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Didn't say a thing. Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. Taking a look, going back over to Isaiah chapter 53, and in verse 8, it says, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Jesus Christ would repeatedly over and over and over again say that he was going to die, that he was going to give his life, that he was going to, 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 to have to go through those. even so much that the disciples didn't even believe those things. We talked about that some morning over in Mark chapter 16. But take a look over there in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, again, Here he is telling them very clearly what's going to happen. John chapter 10 says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Very clearly, Isaiah says, we are, uh, we are sheep that have gone astray. Now here he is saying, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And we find exactly as he's talking about here, In verse 8, he was cut off from the land of the living. See, the, the, the Jews had rejected Isaiah 53 so much that they didn't realize that Jesus Christ was going to have to die for their sins. They refused to believe it. They refused that their king would be the one that would give their life but very clearly we find that it was prophesied, being cut off from the land of the living. We find in, in verse 9, going back over to Isaiah chapter 53, he said he made his grave with the wicked, being nailed with, on a cross between two thieves, two malfactors. And it says, and with the rich in his death. He didn't even have his own burial place. He borrowed a tomb. He borrowed a tomb. That tomb's empty, by the way. That tomb, it, it doesn't have bones in there. All the other great men, all the other people that claim to be religious gurus and leaders, you can find their bones or where they were buried. You're not going to find Jesus Christ buried there. You're going to find him in the pages of this book. You're going to find him in heaven. You're going to find him with a personal relationship, with, you know, with believers. That that's where you're going to find Jesus Christ. But it made it very clear here that he even prophesied this was going to happen between two thieves and between. Uh, 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 you know, uh, g- going into a rich man's tomb. That was, I mean, that's over there in Matthew chapter 27 again. Verses uh, 56 through 60. We, we, we see very clearly that he's, he, he's identified by these specific prophecies. Take a look again here in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 53. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days and shall, excuse me, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And very clearly right here in verse 10, he's talking about his resurrection. To prolong his days. He was just talking about getting cutting off from the land of the living. Now he's talking about a resurrection. Now he's talking about being raised again. Now he's talking about, uh, 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 again, another fulfillment of prophecy. Turn over to the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 2. And, and again, it's something that we've seen when we were looking at this in Sunday school. In Colossians chapter 2, <clears throat> it says, talking about Jesus Christ, when he nailed those handwriting of ordinances that was against us, Nailing it to the cross in verse 14, verse 15, it says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, trying thing over them in it. We find very clearly that we see the same thing where he says he shall see, uh, shall see his seed. He shall uh, prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall uh, prosper in his hand. Very clearly, he says in verse 12, therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why is that? Because he poured out his soul unto death. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was obedient to the death of the cross. He willingly chose to do that for us. Turn, if you will, over to the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 9. I'm just kind of pointing out some of these prophecies and again this isn't a comprehensive study of all of it but if you will just a, a general gleaning of it in Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 28 it says so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many right there in Hebrews 9:28 it's identified And unto them that look uh, for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. makes it very clear that, that as it says, there was no violence that was found in him. There's no iniquity that could be found in him as Isaiah chapter 53 points out. Here again, it's making it very clear that there's no sin in him. There's no sin found in him. All of these things. But what he did was bear the sins of many. As it talks about very clearly there in those last two verses where he shall bear their iniquities and bear the sins of many. Again, a fulfillment of prophecy. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 5. <clears throat> in verse 21 after God gives us if you will our commission for us to be ambassadors for Christ in verse 21 talking about Jesus Christ for he hath made him to be sin for us He's made him to be sin for us what we've done wrong That was all on him. Who knew no sin. The reason Jesus Christ could die on that cross for your sins, for my sins, was because he had no sin in him. He was perfect. He was sinless. He never did that. People today try to argue and say, well, he he, he had to have done something. No, he didn't. Now, we're either going to believe what the word of God says here or we're not. And and I want to focus on that, if you will, as the, the, the thrust of this message. There's a sure word of prophecy that's given to us. The Bible is a sure word. We know it to be true. We know what is put here is put for our learning, for for us to get the truth. Jesus Christ himself says that the word is truth. God's word is truth. And we find right here all of these things. And why did he do it? As he says in verse 21 here, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He did all of that so that you would be righteous in front of a holy, just God. He gave himself for it. He gave himself for our punishment, bearing all of those sins, bearing all of those iniquities. The nation of Israel today has gone so far as certain rabbis are actually trying to change Isaiah chapter 53 to not be a messianic prophecy, but to be a prophecy about Israel. Well, that's dangerous. Because the Old Testament is filled With instances of Israel sinning over and over and over and over and over and over again. They can't even bear their own sins. How are they going to bear the sins of everyone? How are they going to bear sins of all? It's blasphemous to even think about that. But this is what they're proposing. There are people that want to reject what the Bible says. There are people that want to move away from the truth of the Word of God. And I say all of this to point out all of these things that we 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 know. If you've been in church for a little bit, you 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 know some of these things. Some of these things may be new to you. Some of these things that we see in Isaiah chapter fifty-three may 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 have just jumped off the page and go, "Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that." Praise the Lord, you do now. But the question is, is are we going to believe it? Jesus Christ came in this world as the word of God to give us truth, to give us salvation, to show us light as we see throughout Scripture over and over and over and over and over again. Because he does not want any, as the Bible says, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Isaiah 53 is a perfect passage to realize why you need to trust him as your Savior. Because he bore your sins when you couldn't bear them. We, we we can't even bear the shame of our own guilt. Go take a look at Cain. The punishment, he couldn't even bear that. He's like whining to the Lord. Oh, it's greater than I can bear. He just murdered somebody. Seriously? You're going to whine about that? We can't even do that. But Jesus Christ did that for us. I want us to turn over to the book of Acts and we'll close with this. Before we read Acts chapter 26, I want to relay a little bit of an illustration to just show you the dynamic that's here. The nation of Israel does not want to believe Isaiah chapter 53. They don't want to believe that's Jesus Christ. They can't help but see Jesus Christ there. There was a young woman, she was about 25 years old, she was Jewish, and she was confronted with the truth and the evidence of Isaiah chapter 53 in relationship to the rest of the Bible. And she could only make one conclusion, that that Isaiah 53 was talking about Jesus. But she refused to believe it. And the reason that she refused to believe it is she refused, she kind of, if you will, had the thought that she would be rejecting her father. Her father would be Jewish, her father did not believe in Jesus. And she was of the mindset that if she believed in Jesus Christ being the Messiah, She was going to be rejecting her father. And she said, I love him more than anyone else in the world. I can't do it. I can't do it. At one point in time, she was challenged to go reread Isaiah 53 again. She was went back to her dad's Old Testament Bible, if you will, the Jewish Bible she sits down with it. She opens it to Isaiah chapter 53. And um, one of the things that just astounded her was the fact that in the margin of the notes, the margin of the page, there was a note that was written that said, Messianic prophecy. And it said, Jesus is Messiah in her dad's handwriting. She trusted Christ as her Savior. But here we are, we're presented with something that the Bible talks about as truth. This isn't fairy tale. This isn't made up. This is something that the believer, and and I'm talking to believers this morning. Believer, do you truly trust what the word of God says? Right there is a sure word of prophecy. You can't ignore it. Jews can't even ignore it. They try to ignore it and they have to say, well, I'm just not going to believe it. But when confronted with the truth that we, a a people that needed a savior, that needed Jesus Christ because we were going to die in our trespasses and sins. and, And here he is coming alongside and saying, I will take his place. I will suffer his death. I will be brutalized. I will bear his sins. Because he wanted to demonstrate his love for me. His love for you. Believer, do we believe that today? Do we really truly take that and think about that and realize the impact and, the, if you will, all of these things being put together 700 years before Christ even shows up, he is written down in the pages of Isaiah. In Acts chapter uh, 26, verse 22. Here is uh, Paul talking to Agrippa and Festus. And in verse 22, Paul's mentioning this and saying, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And what did they say? That Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Paul reaffirms his ministry here in front of two people that are unbelievers. It says the only thing that I'm going to preach, the only thing that I'm going to say, is I'm going to say what the prophets and what Moses said. Jesus would come. Jesus would die. Jesus would rise again. And Jesus would be the light of the world. There's an old hymn, old shaker hymn that I love. It's called Jesus, Light of the World. It's often sung a cappella, and it is one of the most powerful, powerful hymns you could ever hear. Where it just keeps talking about how Jesus is the light of the world. And the question is, do you believe that today? Believer, we have a sure word of prophecy We have a truth of the word of God. We have been given something that was inspired by the Holy Ghost that moved Isaiah to write those things about somebody he had never, ever met. Do we believe Isaiah? Isaiah? Do we believe the scripture? The greatest problem that many people have is they don't believe that this book is real. That this book contains words of life. That this book will change your life. And this book will save your soul. And I like, and this is why I wanted to end with what Paul was talking about. He couldn't help but talk about what was in this book. That was his witness. That was his testimony. That's what he preached from. Nothing else but this. Believer, is that you today? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just truly think and reflect on what Your Word teaches us and what Your Word tells us. And Lord, while we may have known some of these prophecies to be true, and we may have realized them, and maybe it was a good refresher, maybe it was something that we had never heard before. But Lord, one thing is true, and that is Your Word. Lord, I pray that each one of us as believers this morning we'll receive that, that we'll accept it. That by faith, not because of overwhelming evidence, but because of faith, we would simply believe what you've said and we would do it. I thank you again, Lord, for those that are here and Lord, those that could hear this message and Lord, I just pray that you continue to work in our hearts. In a moment, Lord, we're going to sing sing praises to you, and Lord, I pray you just continue to move as we sing. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eye closed, uh, if you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, um, it's pretty clear in Scripture why Jesus Christ came and what he came to do. And this morning, I want to tell you that that in the pages of this book, it describes a place that nobody ever wants to go to. The place is described as hell and a lake of fire. And those are places of eternal torment and punishment for sin. God doesn't want you to go there. They were created for the devil and his angels. And he's imploring you this morning to simply trust him as your Savior. You don't want to die in your trespasses and sins. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you can have forgiveness of sins. If you're here and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, just come forward. I'm just going to have somebody show you from the Word of God what it means to trust Christ. Don't have to be embarrassed. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's looking down at the floor or got their eyes closed and, and, and they need to be focusing on themselves at this moment and asking themselves the real question about whether or not they truly are attesting that they believe the Word of God from cover to cover. But if you're here today and you need to get that taken care of, just come forward. Believe it, if you're here today and... You've got to get some things taken care of. You've got some problems in your life. Maybe it's because you're not fully believing what God told you. Maybe you need to go back and refresh that sure word of prophecy. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that today. Lord, again, I just thank you for this time. pray that you continue to move. This I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.